Shalom everyone, this is Kalev Bendor, and today we're learning chapter 6 of the prophet Micha, and it's a very powerful chapter. It begins with a message that God has a riv, controversy, with his people. God beseeches the people to remember that he did great miracles for them. For I brought you up out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you out of the house of bondage, and I sent before you Moshe, Aaron, and Miriam. And God continues that, O oh my people, remember now what Balak king of Moab devised, and what Bilam the son of Beor answered him from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. The two locations, Shittim and Gilgal, represent the final place the Jewish people sojourned on the eastern side of the Jordan, and the first place they reached after crossing into the Promised Land. But the reference to Bilam is strange here. Were there really no better, wonderful miracles that God did for the Jewish people? However, the core of the chapter revolves around the proper way to serve God. In verse 6, Micha says, Bema akadem Adonai ikaf le marom, hakdemenu bo'olot ba'agalim b'nei shana, how shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves of a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams and ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of of my body for the sin of my soul. And this reminds us of Isaiah. In chapter 1, we read, Lamali rov zivchavchem yoma Adonai, Savati olot elim vechelev miriim vedam parim ukfasim vatudim lo chafatsti, Kitavo le raot panaim, mibi keshzot miadchem ramos chatserai. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me, says the Lord? I'm full of the burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts, and I delight not in the blood of lambs or of he-goats. Come to appear before me. Who's required this at your hand to trample my courts? Bring no more vain oblations. It's an offering of abominations to me. New moon and Shabbat, the holding of convocations. I cannot endure iniquity along with the solemn assembly. Your new moons and your appointed seasons, my soul hates. They are a burden to me. I am wary to bear them. Now, the similarities shouldn't surprise us because Micha and Isaiah are living at the same time. And in order to get a better understanding of what the prophets are really getting at, it's worth trying to imagine what things were like in that time. We read in chapter 1 that Micha lives during the days of Yotam, Achaz and Chizkiyahu. Who was Achaz? Let's go back to Malachim chapter 16, Malachim Bet. Kings 2. 
we're told that the king himself, et b'no he'evir ba'esh k'toavat goyim made his son pass through the fire according to the abominations of the heathens. And we subsequently read that the young king of Judah faces a joint attack by Aram and the northern king of Israel. And in his desperation, Ahaz offers to become a vassal state of Ashur. We read in Melachim, so Ahaz sent messengers to Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, saying, Avdecha ubincha ani, I am your servant and your son. Come up and save me out of the hand of the king of Aram and out of the hand of the king of Israel who rise up against me. Now, Ahaz doesn't just offer to become a general vassal state to Ashur. He says, Bincha ani, I'm your son. In other words, I will adopt your cultural ways. And following this, Judah completely adopts Assyrian ways. They embrace Assyrian culture and worship to such an extent that when Ahaz visits the Assyrian ruler, he's so impressed with the altar in Damascus that he sends his priest Uriah to copy it and build a similar one in Jerusalem. All of this would have been experienced by Micha. But what may adopting Assyrian ritual and cultural practices have meant on a practical level for the residents of Judah? Now, in the book, The Personhood of God, Biblical Theology, Human Faith and the Divine Image, Yochanan Mufs, American professor of the Bible and religion at JTS, discusses what ritual and law was like in ancient Mesopotamia. And it provides a fascinating lens through which to understand Micha. Mufs references archaeological and epigraphical discoveries at Mari in modern day Syria. And he argues the following. In Mesopotamia, the ultimate concern of the gods was the food provided by the temple cult. Gods step out of their indifference to complain about the cessation of the temple cult. And while the relationship between the gods and the cult is clear, their relationship to justice is ambiguous. And compared with the absolute importance of the cult in the life and existence of the gods, justice on earth is only their penultimate concern, if that. Though they can live with human corruption, as much as they might dislike it, they cannot function at all without the cult. As Muff says, to overstate the case, in Mesopotamia, ritual is a divine need, law a human one. In Israel, law is a divine need, ritual a human one. To return to Micha in our chapter. Micha is prophesying at a time where Assyrian culture has been so deeply embedded in both the northern and southern kingdoms. And now we understand better what this means. One, the belief that the main concern of the gods is food in the temple ritual. Two, if the gods get annoyed at the people, it's because the rituals and the cult are not being done correctly. Three, the gods care for justice and corruption is secondary. And in this religious context, what does Micha say God demands of his people? Verse 8 of our chapter says this, adam matov uma adonai 
להקים, עשות משפט ואהבת חסד והצנע לכת עם אלוהיך. It has been told to you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, only to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before your God. Now I'd say to a certain extent, this suffers from a problem of interpretation. Three nights a week, around the time I put my daughter to bed in our Jerusalem home, we hear people on loudspeakers protesting what they see as a travesty of justice. Perhaps you can even hear some of the helicopters and noises in the background of this recording. Tens of thousands of Israelis, if not more, likely agree with them. A similar number probably disagree profusely. Even if we want to do mishpat and chesed, it may not always be clear what that involves. But our challenges today are different to those of the people of the Kingdom of Judah. And Micha is reminding these people that Judaism serves as a counter to the dominant culture. Unlike Bilam, who arranges a series of sacrifices before vainly trying to call God, unlike Assyrian culture that is spread throughout the southern and northern kingdoms, God does not prioritize sacrifice. God does not want empty ritual. God wants mishpat, ahavat chesed, and for us to walk humbly before him. Tragically, it seems to fall on deaf ears.